This podcast is brought to you by Podcast Nation. Welcome to the Mom Room Podcast. My name is Renee Rena, and I am definitely the mom friend you have always wanted. Hello, welcome to Tuesday's episode. I am finally back from up north. Oh my God, there's birds outside my window, like fighting and staring at me and squawking. Like, what do you want me to do? Anyways, this reminds me of my ADD episode when I was talking with Melissa, the psychiatrist about ADHD and there was a squirrel in my tree. Same kind of thing. Anywho, how's everybody doing? I know that you know who I'm talking to today. You've probably seen her TikToks either on Instagram or if you're cool and you actually have TikTok and peruse or scroll TikToks. She's definitely come up on your For You page. She is most well known for her TikTok about how she had been celebrating her son's birthday on the wrong day for two years. And it wasn't until she got a call from an insurance company and they had mentioned her son's birthday for whatever reason. And she was like, that's not his birthday. And they were like, well, yeah, it is. And she was ready to like fight them on the phone. She was like, I'm his mom. Like, I know when he was born. So anyways, she goes on her Facebook page and checks back for the birth announcement of her child. It's funny how like big a role social media plays in our lives that that's where we go to like confirm (laughs) serious things. So yeah, she goes back on her Facebook page, checks the day that she did the birth announcement and the insurance company was right. So she tells this story in a TikTok. She is hilarious Every, like, she could read the phone book if we used phone books anymore. Actually, we got a phone book the other day delivered to our house. Like, one of those big yellow pages phone books. And I was like, really? Seems like a waste of paper. But anyways, also, I will just point out, my son and I, over the weekend, were watching the new Sonic movie. It's like a real-life movie, like a live-action kind of thing, but Sonic is like a character. And the guy pulled out a map to drive to San Francisco or wherever they were going, and I was like, really? And he's like marking with a marker how to make his way to San Francisco. I was like, really? You're using a map? Like, unrealistic. The movie lost me at the map. But anyways, she could read the phone book and I would be entertained because she just has a way of telling stories. So I had to get her on the podcast because I love watching her content. So we talk about TikTok, how that all came about. She has like 1.5 million followers on TikTok now. She has four young kids, like young, young kids. She recently took them to Disneyland. We talk all about that. We talk about marriage after kids. Her and her husband actually do regular date nights. So that was inspiring. We talk about mom guilt, hot mom bods. She has a lot of content about hot mom bods that you should check out. Maybe I'll share some of her stuff on my stories because it's too good. I am speaking with Emily Vondracek. I don't even think I've said her name. So it's Emily Vondracek. She 
is such a gem, such a pleasure to listen to and talk to. If you're not already a fan, you will be. So yeah, without further ado, please enjoy this episode with Emily Vondracek, the mom that didn't know her son's birthday. And that's okay. Hashtag relatable. Because I know for me, I was being induced with Milo and they always were going to induce on this specific day. So in my mind, every time someone asks for his birthday or I have to fill out a form, I literally pause because I'm like, I get confused between the day that was etched in my mind that he was supposed to be born, but then my induction got bumped to the next day because of whatever, they were busy in labor and delivery. So yeah, I can relate to that story. And I often have to think very hard about when his birthday is. And the only reason that I accurately remember every time is that I I remind myself like, no, Renee, his birthday is on your favorite number. So then I'm like, ah, yes. Okay. So that's what gets me through. So anyhow, again, without further ado, please welcome Emily Vondracek to the Mom Room Podcast. Okay, so let's just get started. Fingers crossed for technology. The first thing I wanted to ask you about, okay, first of all, because we're pretty much meeting for the first time. You have two children. What are their ages, right? Two children? Renee, Renee I have a four children. You do? <laughs> yes. I Why know. did I think two? How did, I, how did this happen? Well, my baby I probably is in the majority of my videos because she just is in that stage where she wants to be by me at all times. But yes, I have three other ones that I don't really show too often. You've maybe seen like a boy here and there. I have two boys. You've, you've probably seen one of them from time to time. But yeah, I just, yeah, they're kind of, when I am recording, they're kind of often doing their own thing. So what are their ages? So Johnny is five and Henry is four. Nora is two and Olive is eight months old. O-M-G. So, I know. Renee, I just, I really just don't even know how... I am able to do this all. Walk me through. Okay, Milo is three and a half. And my experience was I had Milo and I was like, holy shit, this is so hard and so much more work than other people make it seem. And like, I was just not expecting all these things that motherhood ended up being. But right now I feel like because Milo's three and a half and he's getting to be more independent and I'm more comfortable with him at this age than I was when he was like crawling and like that was a difficult period of time. Now I'm kind of like, oh, maybe we should have a second, but like (laughs) I can't decide. And so how did you have them so quickly? Did you always know that you wanted a lot of kids and you were just like, I'm doing it and that's it? Yeah. Yeah, I think definitely our mentality was we wanted to have a good number of kids. And we, I think we, right off the bat, we were hoping that we'd be able to have them close in age, just because we liked the idea of them all just kind of keeping each other entertained and being like each other's best buddies. And my husband comes from a bigger family. They're all close in age. I'm close in age with my siblings. So I think we both liked our own experiences growing up with siblings close in age. So that's, yeah, that was kind of our, there's definitely advantages and disadvantages to it. You know, I, I'm kind of in the season of my life where even my five-year-old needs me a lot. So it's four, 
human beings that really need a lot from you. And that's where I've told my husband, like, when it comes to if we're going to have more or not, I've said to him so many times, you know, right now, at least the answer is, you know, probably not at, at, for now, you know, for a good chunk of time, because I don't want to be a bad mom. And that isn't that all of our fears being a bad mom. Yeah. Well, and everybody has a different capacity. Like, and I think everyone thinks about that. Like, what will I be like if there were more humans needing my attention and being so dependent on me. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's kind of how they do take a lot of you. So how stretchy can I get? You know, I'm not elastomom. I like to think maybe I'm elastigirl, but I can't stretch to that amount on a daily basis. So I think I'm at my limit right now. <laughs> yeah. And it's interesting too, because so many people don't live, like you were saying right now, your kids are with your sister. A lot of people don't have even like family support outside of their immediate family because they live far from their parents or from their sister or whatever. So that also, I think people consider as well, like, I don't really have help. Like, should I have more? Like... That's a huge factor. That's a huge factor. I, I don't think I would have four kids if it wasn't for... So my mom, I, I was telling you earlier, so we have a mother-in-law suite right on our property that my mom and my sister live in. And so grandma is like 10 feet away when she's That's not incredible. at work. I know. I, I, I never take it for granted. And then my mother-in-law, my, my husband's mom, she's also very involved and loves the kids and is always asking when she can take them. So... I have the best support system when it comes to that. So Yeah. And so you recently went to Disney World. Did you bring all four kids? Like what yes. was that like? We were I know. I'm kind of am I insane? A little bit. Yeah. But we we, we brought all four. And originally we we're just gonna bring my the two older boys, but Okay, my husband is even more of like a dreamer than me. I'm actually the more like realistic person than him, which is maybe surprising to hear to people. But he just has he has this these ideas in his mind like we're going to be all together and it's going to be amazing. And I'm kind of like, honey, it's not, you know, it's going to be probably very challenging having four, five and under in Disney World. But he just really wanted he really it was important for him to have everyone together, which is sweet. But you know, anyways, we wouldn't have done it without my so my mom and my dad and my sister all came with so we had more adults than children. And every adult was paired with a child, you know, when we would go to the parks, and then we would have an, even an extra set of eyes just kind of to so it was doable. It was doable. It wasn't a vacation, but it was doable. The ratio of adults to kids is huge. Like, so did your kids, because my whole thing, Milo's obsessed with Jurassic Park, and I know that <laughs> Disneyland in LA has a Jurassic World, and I'm always like, what's the right age to take a child to Disney World? So how did you find your kids react to Disney World? So I'm, I've come to terms with the fact that at least my my four-year-old Henry and then the youngers will not remember this. And, you know, I, I think they they enjoyed it and they were taking it all in and they had a blast. But I know that they won't remember, you know, and, and for some parents that would be enough. Like, we're not going to spend money if they're not going to remember. My five-year-old, I think, might, especially now in today's world where we have so much video and picture and we're showing them and it kind of ingrains it in their mind a little bit. My five, He'll be six, actually, this summer. 
So he's almost six. He definitely took it in like maybe more age. It was probably most age appropriate for my almost six year old, where the other ones were just kind of along for the ride, having a blast. But no, I don't think they'll remember. It was more so maybe for us parents and living vicariously through them in these moments, even though they're not going to probably remember. I hope my six-year-old does, but I think I, I no regrets, no regrets. I, I'm glad that we did it. It was fun. When people say things like that, like they're not going to remember, they're too young. Sometimes it is about the parents. And you know what? Like I enjoy seeing Milo happy and it is for me. I have this thing in my mind that I want to take him to Disneyland. And so that's what I'm going to do. I don't care if he remembers it or not. I know. That is 100% kind of my mentality in going into this because I grew up going to Disney World with my family and it was always just a huge deal and just over the top magical. And I had the best memories, I guess, growing up, going to Disney World from a young age. And even going there as an adult, it's like, it was a lot different going there with my kids than me going (laughs) without my kids. But being able to see the joy on their faces is so rewarding as a parent, being able to, and it's, it's like, it just fills you with that magical wonder that you kind of have as a kid, seeing them feel it. You feel, you do feel it through them. And it, it gets, it made me, I was even like emotional a couple times, like seeing my, my daughter meet Cinderella and she was just, oh my gosh, she's, I don't know how she got to be such a girly girl, but I was kind of always, uh, I wasn't super girly growing up. I, I like, you know, I, I was into frogs and bugs. And I didn't want to play dress up and I just, that's just, you know, that's just what I was. And so even now I'm not really a material girl. I, I like to think I'm a, I'm a material girl, but I'm not. And so my daughter, who is just, she's 100% a material girl and seeing the princess and she asked her about her shoes and her jewelry. And it just, it was so sweet seeing her interact with Cinderella. And I was like, oh, if there's parents listening who are like, oh yeah, I think I'm going to take my family to Disney World. Like, do you have any tips for them? Like, did you guys stay in the park? Did you have those like passes? Like any tips? We, so we stayed at the park as far as like, I guess tips would go. My number one tip would be go with like your parents or with other adults, because that's honestly, I feel like what made the hugest difference. Like the second day we were there, my daughter got sick, probably picked up something from the airport, which uh, I'd even tried to build their immune systems before leaving because I know about Milo, but my kids have been getting sick like crazy this year because, you know, last year it was still very much locked down. So this year people, they're getting exposed again. And so, and their immune systems maybe had a little bit of a break. And so I just feel like we've had one cold after the next. Anyways, she got sick the second day and my mom was able just to take her back to the hotel and we were able to stay at the parks whereas if I didn't have my parents there we all would have had to gone back you know what I mean and so even like potty breaks one adult would go with the one kid that needed to go potty and everyone else I can't imagine having to take everyone with you to go to do potty breaks even meal times everyone was able to help each kid with their meal it just was so much more doable it's yeah it's the only way I would do it again Okay, I wanted to talk to you about TikTok, obviously. (laughs) This is where I know you from. How did that start for you? Was there a specific video that blew up? Like, what was the growth of your account like? When did that all start? 
Yeah. So I think the very first video I ever posted that really like blew up, blew up was one of my oldest. He was t- talking to my husband about, I was pregnant. I don't know. I wasn't where, maybe I, I, I can't remember if I was pregnant at the time or not, but he was telling my husband, Jesus didn't put the baby in mama's belly. You did. <laughs> <laughs> my husband was trying to like my, my, my five-year-old had asked him where babies came from. And my husband was kind of like, uh, my sweet, you know, homeschooled husband. I shouldn't, I, <laughs> I shouldn't say that. Whenever I, whenever I joke about him being homeschooled, I get a lot of people being like in my comments, I have nothing against homeschooling. He's like mo- the most sweetest social person. His whole family is anyways. He was, yeah, he was like, Jesus put the baby in there. <laughs> my my five-year-old was like false. You did. <laughs> anyways. So that video got like 11 million views and before that, I was really just kind of posting, I don't even remember, no, just nothing. Like just kind of, I didn't really have a, any sort of niche or anything like that. Just kind of random things I thought were cute about my kids specifically. And then after that blew up, I started out just posting fun videos of my kids, like different fun conversations with them or pretending different things. I didn't really start taking off until my first mom jam, I guess. The very first mom jam I posted was a song I wrote about my daughter, how she was up nursing all night. And I wrote a little mom jam about that. And that took off. And I wasn't, everyone says I wasn't expecting it to take off when I wasn't, but then it did. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is so cool. And that's when I started shifting into more. So the focus was me versus my kids. The focus was more me as their mom versus, you know, how cute and funny my kids are. So yeah, and it kind of just took off from there, really. Shout out to Claritin for supporting this episode of The Mom Room and providing me with samples. You know how a lot of people can't leave the house without a water bottle? It's like their emotional support water bottle. I am the exact same way with facial tissues. And that is because I have such bad allergies, specifically in my sinuses, to the point where I know I'm going to have to blow my nose multiple times in a day, and I cannot be out in public without my emotional support facial tissues. Luckily, for those of us who live with the symptoms of allergies, we can live Claritin Clear with Claritin D. Designed for serious allergy sufferers, Claritin D has two powerful ingredients in just one pill that relieve your allergy symptoms and decongest your nose so that you can breathe better. This double action combination of prescription strength allergy medicine and the best decongestant available relieves sneezing, a runny nose, itchy and watery eyes, an itchy nose and throat, and sinus congestion and pressure with ease. Now I know if I have a big event, maybe I'm going to a concert, going out for dinner. I don't want to be blowing my nose every two seconds. It's very unbecoming. And so I will take Claritin D and enjoy my evening. Ready to live life as if you don't have allergies? It's time to live Claritin clear. Fast and powerful relief is just a quick trip away. Find Claritin D at the pharmacy counter or ask for Claritin D at your local pharmacy. You don't even need a prescription. Go to Claritin.com right now for a discount so you can live Claritin clear. Use as directed. My husband and I both turn the big four zero next year, and we have been thinking a lot about our long-term health. 
We want to get smarter about our health, make better choices, but also not feel overwhelmed trying to separate fact from fiction. There is so much information out there and it can be hard to figure out what applies to you, what is right, and what is wrong. Well, let me introduce you to the Zoe Science and Nutrition Podcast. With the help of world-leading scientists, they help you make smarter health choices every week. Don't just take my word for it. Naomi's Apple Review says, Zoe Science and Nutrition is super easy to consume even if you don't understand the science. With loads of actionable tips, a great mix of guests, and interesting cutting-edge science. You can't go wrong with a weekly podcast where world-leading scientists explain how their own research could improve your health. If you're ready to join millions of others like Naomi transforming their health, then search for Zoe Science and Nutrition wherever you listen to podcasts. Now you must work on your content almost like full time. Like what does your day to day, because how do you have four young kids and then keep pushing out content? Because now do you consider it a job? Like that's your job? Oh, yes. I definitely consider it like, which is cool. I mean, I feel very like fortunate that I can, that I can consider it a job. I didn't, I didn't really consider it a job until I started doing like more ads and cause that really is, uh, we can talk frankly here, right? Renee, we can talk just open and honest. Okay. Creator fund does not pay. Like it's not livable. We didn't even have that in Canada. Like that was just in the States. And I remember seeing lots of creators from the U S being like, don't do that. Right. It, it's really, I mean, it's, it's like pocket change pretty much. It's still money, you know, I'm not going to complain about it, but it's not like livable income by any means. So if a, if a content creator is wanting this to be kind of like a job, then they do have to do advertisements or other sorts of, you know, I know creators will have merchandise or this and that, but it wasn't until I started doing yeah, ads that I considered it a job after it started bringing in actually livable income for my family. So as far as like, time management, I'm still trying to figure that out. And I'm, and I'm, I still don't even think I've found a great balance, but I'm trying to navigate to get there. Like right now, I, my only day is Tuesdays where I have, where I'm kid free only on Tuesdays. And then all the rest of the work I do is either after they're in bed, nap time, when they have screen time. And then even there's times too, where I'm working just around them or among them. And I'm not used, I know we talk a lot about mom guilt, but going from being like a stay-at-home mom where I was never working to now having this job where sometimes I am working with them around me and having to tell them, you know, I'm working right now. I can't help. I can't play right now. It's like, I have a lot of mom guilt about that where, but, but like stay-at-home parents, they do this all the time or there are millions of stay-at-home parents that have to work from home and they have to learn how to balance it in a way where they're still able to be present with their kids as well. Just getting stuff done around the house. Like you can't be giving your children attention 24-7. So 
Yeah, but I I feel like there is an extra level of guilt put into it as a content creator because there's like this view of it as like it's just silly and you're on your phone and doing it for yourself and no one else. Yes. It's like, oh, if you were doing a load of laundry, that's, you know, respectable. But because you're on your phone on TikTok, it's not. But it's like, you know what? Like, I'm I'm making a lot of money on TikTok. Right, right. (laughs) Yeah, I know there's even like, the adjustment, I think my, like my husband is a lot more supportive and encouraging now, but even in the like beginning, it it was really hard for him to, to switch his mentality about like when I, I would have to tell him sometimes when he'd get home from work, I need to go upstairs and just work for like an hour, you know? And then, and he, that was hard for him at first because he's used to, you know, him coming home and that's usually when we have family time. And so at first, you know, he would sometimes make comments like, can you put your phone down kind of comments, you know, and I'm just kind of just trying to explain to him, this is kind of, we've both decided that this is a way that we can bring in income. So, and he, and he did kind of, he is better now, but that was hard in the beginning, kind of trying to, cause then that ad, it adds, everything just adds to the, the mom guilt. And, and I don't think, like you were saying, we can't give them our attention undivided 24-7. So when it comes to working and it being a job on social media where it is on your phone or a computer, like you said, it can feel like you're not different than laundry or different than if you were, you know what I mean? Because I think even as women, it's easy to like diminish what we're doing. Like, oh, it's not important. It's just silly. But no, it is important. And so I always try to... For example, my husband's a physician and oftentimes he's on call. And so I'm doing bath time and bedtime by myself. And, you know, if there's an evening where I have like three partnerships that like I'm trying to finish up quickly, I'll be like, I'm going to my office and I'm going to finish this. And this is me working now. Like, and you can do bath time and bedtime, but it's hard to do that. I know. I know because we're so, I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's because being like the stay-at-home parent and, and kind of the the role or responsibility you put on yourselves that the the days that I have, I've had similar nights where I'm just on a deadline and I have to do all so much in one night. And I'm, and my husband is the one, you know, that's had to make them dinner, bath time and dinner for four kids. And I have, I have a lot of guilt about that. And then like, I feel bad. And then I feel, then I question everything. Should I just delete it all? Should this, you know, but then like, I, but then I remember and I remind myself that there's been so many times where my husband, so he plows in the winter snow plows. And then in the summer he does asphalt repair. But in the, so in the winters, there's been so many times where he's had to plow. He goes on these like He'll have these like 48 hour plow, like where he's gone. And I know it's insane. That's Minnesota. <laughs> you you can, you're, you're Canada. So yeah, um, I can relate. You, you can snow, yeah. So, and he doesn't necessarily have dad guilt about the fact that, cause he, he understands that he has to work, you know, it, there's like that understanding there where for myself, it's like, I've had to kind of retrain my brain. I've, and I'm, I, I am getting a little bit better about it, but I, I have to like say to myself, you don't need to feel guilty about this. You're, you know, it's so, you just have to remind yourself over and over again until, until it kind of sticks. I think you can retrain your brain. I feel like even if there's parents listening right now, like obviously most of the listeners are moms, 
you don't even have to be making money. Like my whole thing is like, I want people to have interests and hobbies and like fulfill themselves outside of the home. So like, I don't want people listening to us being like, oh, okay, so you can do something as long as you make money. Like, no, like you can fulfill yourself and be like, have interests and it's not... Like, don't just diminish it. Like, everybody deserves to have that in their life. Oh, I agree. 100%. And, and, it, and it makes you a better mom for it. Oh, really. yeah. Being able to express your whole identity outside of mothering gives you that, I feel like, energy and, pre- and appreciation for mothering in a, in a way that it's interesting how that works that way. But no, I agree. I Before I was doing like TikTok stuff full time, I worked as a birth doula and I was, oh. and I, yeah, I'm not, not a lot of people know that. And I still am so passionate about birth that I did a majority of my birth work like pro bono at no cost because I just love doing it so much. And so there'd be times where I would be gone at a birth for, I think my longest birth was like 34 hours. And I just told my husband, this is, this is like, I feel like this is one of my callings and you have to support me in this because it's a way that is fulfilling to me to kind of serve in this way. And he probably likes the fact that I'm getting money now, but <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but, but yeah, I agree with the, do, the doing things and not feeling guilty about them. Just, yeah, I love that. Has your marriage, like you have four young kids. So even just with the one, I'm starting to notice. And I feel like COVID played a role in it too, because we fell into these like routines of life. And it's very like you're living Groundhog Day, like every day. What has the effect been on your marriage, like pre-kids to post-kids? Like, what are the biggest things that you notice? <laughs> well, Renee, I got pregnant like a month after we got married. So, yes, we, we got pregnant right away. So we kind of were like thrown into parenting, which, so I guess I would compare it to like maybe what it was like when we were dating or in that, or in that first like nine months, I guess. I, okay, I will say this. Before I had kids, I would tell, you know, couples about, I would just go on and on about how excited I am to have kids, right? Kids one day and how you shouldn't you'd feel like you need to wait to have kids, have, you know, kids, 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 like this baby fever. Since I was like a, a child, I just was so excited to be a mommy one day. And, but and in hindsight, now I tell, you know, couples or people that are thinking about having kids, you know, you just do it whenever you want. Like when there's no rush, you know, I'm not going to like, I'm, I, I'm still never going to say, no, you need to wait. But I do, I am honest about the challenges. It maybe me and my husband now, even though we've been married for almost six years, are still working on how to communicate respectfully, you know, and maybe that'll be like that forever, you know, but there were, there are many things that we did not figure out before having kids. So, and now that we're in this season of parenting, you just naturally don't have the time to invest into each other. And so we're still, we're, you know, I think like marriage is like an ongoing work in progress. And I think that there are probably always areas of improvement, but right now we're really just 
trying to prioritize each other and invest in each other so that because our parent, our kids are going to be grown and that one day, you know, and I want to enjoy him as not only like my partner, but as my, I want to enjoy him and like him as like my best friend, you know, because there can be so many times where, you know, there's that love, but you don't really like each other. <laughs> you know, And so I think just the, you know, the date nights and just taking that extra time to tell each other that we're thinking about each other. It definitely, it's definitely hard. How often would you guys have a date night? Because right now this is my thing. I'm like, COVID was such a nightmare with regard to like, we just got used to being at home and doing nothing. But now it's like, okay, the world is getting back to normal. We could easily get a babysitter and like actually make plans to spend time with each other. So we need to do that. And if we aren't intentional about making plans and doing that, it will never happen. So how often do you guys get time alone or time to like connect properly? So right now, I mean, it's something that it's something that you like, just like you said, you can have the best intentions, but if you know, you know, you have to really put the intention into action. Otherwise, just that, yeah, never happens. So right now we're probably like two date nights a month. And that's like, I know, I was going to say, which is pretty amazing for us because so my baby being eight months postpartum, there was like a good solid, you know, first five months that date night was maybe like once every other month, you know, and now we're just kind of starting to get into a good groove of we try to do it twice a month. That's only, that's only been like the last two months where that's happened. And so what do you guys do for a date night? I was just listening to this podcast and he was talking about like, like ways to like not fall out of love. And one of the things was like having new experiences together. Oh, cool. Yeah. So I was like, that's so interesting because he was like, when you do new things together, it's like a fresh, like you see your partner in a different light and you're learning new things about your partner. But if you're constantly doing the same thing, like for my husband and I, it would be like, okay, let's go for dinner. Let's go for dinner. Let's go for dinner. Let's go for dinner. Like you're not getting that like experience together or like seeing your partner, like learning new things. So now I'm like, geez, like what can we do? Like, I'm like trying to think of all these things. So my idea was like each month I can plan a date for, let's say like this month, it can be like during the daytime, like going for a hike, like new experience. And then the next month, my husband can plan something and we can kind of like surprise each other with the date. So that's like my new plan. But do you guys typically go for dinner? Well, I mean, yeah, typically that's like, what, typically it's dinner, you know, maybe if it's like, there's been a couple of times where it's like a, like a, a late date night where we'll go grab drinks somewhere together or, you know, uh, just apps, but no, yeah, typically it's always just dinner. But I love what you're doing. I think that's yeah. that sounds so much more fun. And even cause it just, it takes you out of that dinner can just yeah you what do you talk about you know the freaking yeah (laughs) like we're gonna talk about like milo starting soccer this summer and like yeah like the same things over and over so there it was now that it's getting warm again there like last summer we would go on fishing dates because we both love fishing so we'll probably start that back up even just doing something we've never done before sounds very because you're experiencing that new 
experience together, which is, I don't know, that's really cool. This episode is brought to you by Little Spoon. If you're like me, then the bane of your existence is thinking about what to feed your children, prepping food, going to the grocery store, all of the above. Who has the time? We are all so busy, and it's important to incorporate things into our life that keep our life as simple and convenient as possible. Little Spoon is one way to do just that. They deliver fresh, healthy meals and snacks straight to your door that your kid will love at every eating stage they are in. The baby blends are fresh, organic baby food from single ingredients to multi-textured purees to take the stress out of starting solids. They partner with Clean Label Project to test their blends for 400 plus contaminants, including heavy metals, so you know you're getting good stuff. The Biteables are finger food meals that are cut to size to promote easy self-feeding, and they are healthy, balanced, and free of artificial junk. The Little Spoon plates are toddler and big kid meals that are free of junk and they taste amazing. Even the pickiest eaters will love them. Think hidden veggie mac and cheese, chicken nuggets, and adventurous eats like potstickers, gnocchi, and more. They also offer really fun things like puffs, they have smoothies, lunchers, and snacks. You quite literally never have to think about food again. It's just easy peasy. And did I mention this all comes right to your door? It is so flexible, so easy, and everything stores right in the fridge and freezer. The price is right. The quality is unmatched. You are going to love it and your kids are going to love it. It is just a huge win for your family. Simplify your kids' mealtime with 30% off your first order. Go to littlespoon.com slash momroom and enter our code momroom at checkout to get 30% off your first Little Spoon order. This episode is brought to you by Lola V. Lola V is an award-winning hair care line by none other than Jennifer Aniston. They offer clean, plant-powered products for every hair type and texture. I just did my whole hair care routine with all the products the other night, and I am obsessed. Along with incredible shampoo and conditioner, they have an intensive repair treatment that you can use once a week. They also have a lightweight hair oil. There's a leave-in treatment, and there's also a glossing detangling which I need because lately I want to do my hair in like a slicked back look, but my hair is too frizzy. Get 15% off Lola V with the code MOMROOM at www.lolav.com slash MOMROOM and Lola V is L-O-L-A-V-I-E. And like, I live in Toronto. Like, do you know how many things there are to do in Toronto? Like, why are we doing the same thing over and over? Like, yeah. even just going to check out like a new neighborhood and like walking through the little shops or like, there's so many things. But yeah, so that's my new plan. And I'm pretty excited. I love about that. It. I have to adopt that plan. <laughs> yeah, I love you that can a have lot. it. I'll, I'll let it. you I'll let you have that plan too. It's mine. <laughs> yeah. I wanted to talk a little bit about hot mom bods. Talk a little bit about like where that came from and how your relationship with your body changed pre-motherhood to post-motherhood. Yeah. I think honestly, so this like this postpartum is and now, I mean, I've always maybe like tried to just love myself in general, but it wasn't until this postpartum where I really just kind of took it on and decided that I don't care about certain things like I used to. And if it, like, for example, 
or like, like skin or fat, you know, going over my pants or the extra rolls on my back, cellulite, just all of it. Where if I used to have noticed these rolls or the way I looked from a certain angle, it used to, it used to be really hard on myself. And because, you know, when I got, especially like, you know, before, before kids, I was kind of like a fitness girl. I was like one of those girls on Instagram that would do like fitness Friday, motivation Monday. So were you really active? Yeah. Well, I was like, yeah, super. And I would be, I would go to the gym every single day, but here's the thing. There's nothing wrong with prioritizing your fitness in that way. But my sole motivation for all of it was looks and looks alone. And that's, that's fleeting. So I would get pregnant. And because I didn't, because being pregnant, obviously I'm not going to have a six pack. Cause I, uh, cause I had, I had like a six pack Renee. <laughs> back, back I should, I should send you some pics. <laughs> no. um, but I would get, so then I would get pregnant and obviously, yeah, my sole goal for working out, which was the looks was not, you know, I couldn't achieve that obviously with a big pregnant belly. So I would like not work out in my pregnancy. It was not health focused. And so I just had a, I had to kind of come to a place of what is my motivate, what is my motivation for overall health? And the fact that it doesn't, it's not tied directly to muscle definition or looking a certain way. I I think health can look a million different ways. And so now, you know, being postpartum with kid number four, my, my boobs really, they really took a toll this one, this round. (laughs) I think like they were able to stay, (laughs) we're talking about boobs now. That's okay. For my first three pregnancies, they stayed kind of in the, in the same position. And now this fourth one, they're just like, nope, we're tapping out. This yeah, is the one they were that like, we're... this is too much. We gave <laughs> yeah. you three, we gave, <laughs> we gave you three, three. pregnancies. Yeah. So I, I've had the definitely the most change to my body with, you know, whether it's, you know, just the fact that it's my fourth, the fact that I'm, you know, in my thirties now versus my twenties, I don't know, who cares, but I've just like decided I don't, it takes too much energy to, you know, if we're going on, let's say I'm getting dressed up to go somewhere, looking at myself and it takes too much energy to not like the way I look and then being down on myself for it. It's so much more freeing to, you know, let's say I put an outfit on and it doesn't maybe fit exactly the way I anticipated, or I can maybe see my cellulite through the pants or, you know, the extra just dimples, things aren't smooth like they used to be, whatever. And now if I look at that and tell myself, Oh, I don't really care about that anymore. I don't. No, you don't. Okay. Oh, this is this is this is great. I don't care about it anymore. Okay. I I and then I can look at the things I love about myself and how I'm more than my body and it's I just am such a I looked so much to my inner confidence as what shows on the outward now than I used to. So now I feel I've just felt more beautiful in a way that I never have before with changing the way I speak to myself. And I know that even just sounds so cliche, like tell yourself you're beautiful and you believe it, whatever. The the power of how I've spoken to myself in moments where I used to speak negatively has really changed like insane an insane amount. Even recording that hot mom summer video, wearing a swim a two piece for the first time in four years, even a year ago, I would have looked at how I looked in that, my swimsuit in that video and been like mortified. I can't believe my legs are jiggling like that. But now 
I look at it and I had so much fun. And I look at the overall message behind it and how I was so excited to wear these two pieces because I thought they're really cute. And I used to tell myself that I can't wear a two piece until I look this way again. And now I'm deciding I can wear it now because I want to. And and just the whole excitement and around it. Yeah, it's like the energy that you're putting out. It's like, oh, damn, like that's a hot mom. Like, yes, it's just been so fun to even just experiment with my wardrobe and because yeah, they're like my other postpartums, I would have like things I maybe would want to wear once I got back to a certain weight or a certain place in my mind where I would, you know, and now I'm just wearing them now and still feeling great. And all because of the change of my mindset. So like if you were going to put up a post or like a story or anything, were you making sure that you looked a certain way? Because I know for me, like before I really started on TikTok and on Instagram, just being myself, I would like take 10 different pictures and be like, oh no, not that one, like da da da. And then one day, like my New Year's resolution was just like, I don't even fucking care. I don't care what I look like. If I want a story or make a TikTok, I don't care what I look like. And then that is when everything shifted. Yes. Yes. Okay. Yes, definitely. I would take, yes, a million different pictures in different angles, different poses, and very critical about the way I looked in each picture. I wouldn't post it. It it could be an amazing moment in time that I captured it. But if I looked a certain way, I wouldn't post it where now it's like, no, yeah, exactly. It's, it's so much just more freeing because what's, what are we scared of? What other people are going to think? I feel like you get to a certain point in your life where, you know, I'm like, okay, Renee, like you're married, you have this amazing husband, like you're happy where you are. And like that brings about a certain self-confidence, like, and then you're just like, it doesn't matter. Like, I don't care what people think. Yeah. Yeah. And like, it's like, I wish I could have had this realization when I was in my early twenties and when I was pouring so much energy into talk speaking negatively to myself you know I think that it's something that girls can grasp now you don't you know you don't have to be you know married and with kids to kind of come to this realization but I mean I feel very fortunate that I have I guess now because I think this is a time especially when you're postpartum where people can be so critical about themselves I think TikTok and social media Like even with regard to like showing the realities of motherhood and like showing all kinds of different bodies and how like all bodies can be beautiful and like, like I feel like social media is taking a little bit of a turn and perhaps like when we were taking 10 pictures and like choosing the best one and being like self-conscious about things like that, that's what social media was and it kind of made people feel that way and I think there's more... Like people can be themselves more and like just show up online. And it's really actually like the people that are authentic are the ones that are doing well on social media because I think people are tired of the curated content. I, I agree. And I think they're, they're just wanting to see authenticity and they're just wanting to see you and not and not always the best version of you. Of course, like there's going to be, you know, we want to, post the best of ourselves too, but being able to see the reality of all sides and facets of who a person is, I think, and that's another, that's another thing that kind of, I was just posting kind of mom jams and nothing really 
personal about myself or my life. And then I started like during my last pregnancy, I started doing these like kind of life updates or in pregnancy updates where I started kind of a glimpse of my whole personality and self. And that's when I really, really started to grow even more. And it was, it was because I was just, people are wanting to see, yeah, I think authenticity and just, um, not right. Right. What are your plans for the future? Like, do you have anything that you're working on? Like any like dreams that you're like, Oh, I want to do this or like, where are you at right now? So I have like a management team now and they actually just asked me that the other day. Let's let's start like a vision board for <laughs> yeah. you. And I I think I've just been so kind of caught up in the whirlwind of it all that I'm just kind of I've I've truly just felt along for the ride. And I, I've not even had I think maybe just to yeah, Renee, honestly, I I don't really know. I don't really know where this is headed. It's part of me feels like, you know, I, it could be gone tomorrow. Who knows? <laughs> it's yeah. not going to be gone tomorrow. But you know what I mean? Like, I think with just the fact that I'm 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 in the thick of it in this this season of mothering, where it's still even though TikTok and content creation has become this part time job for me, which feels more like a full time job sometimes. I still my I guess my still my main focus in my se- in this season I'm in right now is or my main goals, I guess, is my, is, is family oriented because I haven't, it's just still feels career wise. I haven't really thought about it that way. Cause it, it, I guess it just kind of recently shifted to more of a job within the last like couple of months. So I think my, honestly, my goal, as far as being a content creator is to remain like authentic and genuine and to be able to continue to encourage a way and encourage in a way that is welcoming to all like all forms you know of parenting and and mother I know it's I'm kind of more geared to moms but you know I'm sure stay-at-home parents can relate to a lot of my content as well and yeah and not I I think there's a fear of getting swept up in it all and I I want it just to stay true to how it was when I when I first started TikTok and that was a way to kind of allow moms, parents in the same season of life I'm in to laugh and to feel encouraged. I know a lot of my stuff is kind of comedy based. So just to, I think humor is such a gift in this season. Oh yeah. At least for me and being, and even like, you know, I know that there's kind of, I don't know if you've seen videos where people are saying like, kind of, we complain too much. (laughs) Oh, yeah. I get that all the time. Yeah. And so, but I think if you're, I guess, complaining in quotations in a way that's comedic, I don't think that's negative. Using comedy for something that is difficult is actually a very high functioning defense mechanism. Yes. I feel like it's so therapeutic, at least for me. Yes. Yes. And like, I always say, like, I found TikTok in one of the most difficult periods of life because it was quarantine. I was home alone, like couldn't visit anybody. It was so hard. And TikTok is what literally I looked forward to every day because I was like, I can turn all these difficult situations into a hilarious little video and everybody's going to relate to it. Yes. Yep. And so, yeah, so I I know that I think like the, the, I guess the main 
message the videos were that are kind of talking about how there's too you know maybe moms are being too negative whatever i think they're trying to show that there's there's so much beauty and goodness in mothering and yes 100 100% there's so much beauty and goodness in mothering but the being able to laugh about what is truly you know there's so much hard things about mothering too being able to laugh about it it allows me to feel it allows me not to go to that dark place, you know? And I think for years, like for years and years, it was only sunshine and rainbows that was portrayed for motherhood. And so now it's like the pendulum is kind of swinging in the other way and people are very honest and open about how difficult it is. So eventually we're going to get to that middle ground. But for years, it was the opposite. Yeah, Right. And that's why it might, for some it might feel like it's too much or it's just a trend. It's like a trend to complain about your kids or whatever. But I think it's, it's, yes, it's because of that. We're trying that trying to, I guess, find that, that middle ground of, and I, and I do try to keep, I guess that middle ground. I definitely like talk about the hard stuff and try to find like the humor in it and and all of that. I, but I, I do try to highlight not fake beautiful moments, but the true beauty that is, motherhood for maybe people that are expecting their first and just to you know it's it's obviously not just all this stuff we're complaining about all the time (laughs) I think that even if we're like complaining in a comedic way it can I've gotten comments like the fact that you're able to kind of find the humor in this well, like show, shows me that I can, I'll be able to find the humor in it too, even if, you know what I mean? And honestly, sometimes there's no humor in it. And the fact that the, the hardness of, I guess, motherhood, and it's sometimes it's just not funny and I'm not going to post about it. And I'm, you know, it just, yeah. Other people just speaking out on that. Like I love Libby, Diary of an Honest Mom. I know that you got to, that you met her of kind of, I don't know when that was, but I saw videos of you guys together. She talks about it in a, she's, she's just kind of freed me up of so much stuff that, you know, we might think that we're alone in and being, feeling not alone in it is what kind of makes you encouraged. Yeah. Like to see that someone else is like, like, oh, this is actually common. And yes, you know, I'm not the only person going through these feelings. Yeah. Right. And if no one talked about the realities of the hard stuff, not just the comedic side, but the realities of the hard things, then no one would be getting help or support. Everybody would feel alone, which is, yeah, when it becomes difficult. Yeah, I like the space. Yeah, even though it might get a like a bad rap in the sense of it's too negative, whatever. I'm personally appreciative of the space of showing that reality because it needs to be shown. It just does. It can't, it can't just, it can't just be the good stuff shown. It's not shown in movies and on TV. And so we got to show it somewhere. So if it has to be TikTok, then it's got to be TikTok. (laughs) Right. Right. Yeah. And so, yeah, I, I agree. Okay, this was such a great conversation. I'm so happy that we finally got to chat. Um, yeah. <laughs> because I see you all the time on TikTok and I just feel like I know you. Where can people find you? Do you have like a YouTube channel or is it just Instagram and TikTok? It's just Instagram and TikTok at this point. Yeah, TikTok, you know, the Vondi fam. And then Instagram is just Emily Vondi. I'm probably more active on TikTok. I'm trying to get better at Instagram, but it's just like, I've, I don't know. It's a lot. Yes. How do, how do people, 
manage multiple platforms. I have no idea. <laughs> I like this is my struggle because the podcast is like a full time job. And then on top of that, like I'm trying to create content for TikTok and I story my day all day on Instagram. So it's like, yes, it's a oof. lot. Yeah. I know. And even con- like having kind of, I call it like content brain when I, one thing I'm working on right now is like, okay, if I know that I'm not working and I, I know that this is because when I, if I'm, when I lay down at night, if I know I went the whole day, some days are going to be like this and that's fine. But if I know I went the whole day without having any kind of just present moment with present moments with my kids, I feel, I don't feel good about that, you know? So, but right now, like with this job, having content brain is it's even when I'm with my kids, sometimes I am constantly going in the, the nature of this, the nature of this creative space. And so I've been trying, I've been telling myself, you're not working right now in my brain. Yeah. It's hard though. It's hard. It's a job where it's not like a nine to five. My husband was saying, or someone asked me like, how do you create so much content like how do you do that and I was like honestly your brain just starts to think in terms of content and that's it and it's really actually annoying (laughs) yes yeah Yeah. it's it's it is it's how we're able to do what we do but it's also annoying in the sense that you know I could be at the park with my kids and thinking about a song in my mind Yeah. Like, oh, this is funny. I got, I got to make sure I remember this. Yeah. Yeah. That's the kind of the, but it's all, we're all just learning. Yep. Here we go. Brain overload. 